I hope you're having a wonderful day in the presence of the Lord, dear child of God. This is Voice of a Nation's broadcast, and I'm your host, Kerry B. Welcome to the Vaughn Radio family and all of the ministry gifts that God is using in this hour to bring you a very profound word from the Lord, tailor-made for you. Many blessings to you on this hour. Today, I would like to teach about the names of the Spirit of God, the names of the Holy Spirit. He's called by different names. Uh, as I said before in my last teachings, and if you have not had a chance to listen to them, I would encourage you to go back and take a listen and learn about this precious uh, other aspect of our Father, of our Savior. He's a third person in the Trinity, as I said, and uh, he's the one that's with you, that teaches you and and guides you into all truths. And so we're going to go over a couple of names that is used for the Holy Spirit. And uh, just want to talk about it from that aspect. So when you see it in scripture, or you see these names, you'll know exactly um, who the names are being referred to. John, the 14th chapter, the 12th through the 17th verse. Let's listen to Jesus. And let's listen to him as he speaks to his disciples. And he said, most assuredly, starting at the 12th verse, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Now, Jesus is giving them some very uh, profound revelation. He's letting them know that he's going to his father that he's going to die soon and that they were going to be able to do greater works than he did. Now, what did he do? Well, some of the works he did, I mean, he took two fish, five loaves of bread, fed 5,000. Uh, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He gave sight to the blind. Uh, he did so many, so many miraculous uh, feats that the Bible says that if all of the miracles and all the greatness that he did uh, was actually mentioned, then the worlds would not be able to contain the books that would have been written about the great things he's done. So I think that's very powerful. And so he's saying that to the disciples, he's saying greater works that I have done, you're going to do. Now, he's not speaking about greater works as far as the miracles themselves but he's speaking about greater works as far as the quantity. The quantity of what he has done, what he did at that time, when the church began to grow and expand, it would be greater in number. Not just one person healed, but thousands healed. Not just one person delivered from demons, thousands delivered. Because it's not just going to be one of him, it's going to be millions of what he has done, multiplied in the earth when the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them. And in the 13th verse, and he said, whatever you ask in my name. Now, this is the model of prayer. This is the method of prayer. As I've said before in previous teachings, um, Jesus said that you are supposed to pray in a certain way. So when we're praying, we don't pray to Jesus and we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to God, the Father, in the name of Jesus. He says in the 13th verse, and whatever you ask in my name, that I, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
um, you can have a, a very uh, impactful and personal conversation with the Spirit of the Lord and with Jesus himself. And, uh, and you can ask him to do things for you. And I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying I've heard people praying, Jesus, I want you to, and I ask you in Jesus' name. And then Jesus is in Jesus that, well, you're supposed to be directing your prayers to the Father in the name of Jesus. That is how he has prescribed that we should pray. He said, whatever you ask in my name, if you're asking in my name, that I will do it. And I think it's another scripture that says that he will do it. So either kind of way, if you're asking in the name of Jesus, it's going to be done. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. When you're doing the will of the Lord, the Father is glorified in Christ. See, Christ is not trying to get glory. He's trying to glorify the Father. And that should be our main job is to glorify the Father as we release ministry, gifts, and abilities throughout the whole entire uh, region of our sphere of influence wherever we go. We're supposed to be glorifying God. When you're trying to bring glory to yourself, God doesn't like that. It's almost like you go to a gathering or something and you make a, a pie and a cake and some nice different entrees and you lay it out on the table and everybody has brought their stuff and then uh, when the guests begin to eat whether it's your family or friends um, they concentrate on your food they concentrate on the cakes and the pies and the oxtails or whatever you have cooked and they say this is so delicious who made that and someone else said well i made that i made that cake and i made that pie and those oxtails i made and you'd be like what you did what? You did not make that. I made that. So someone is trying to steal your glory for what you did. Someone is trying to take credit for the hard work you have labored for in the kitchen. And they know they didn't do it. Well, that's how it is when we're trying to take the glory from God. We're trying to make it seem like we're the one that did that. But it wasn't us. It was God. And that's why we have to always give credit to the Lord and that'll make you upset you know someone's trying to especially just say for instance, you're not there and they're bragging on it and you don't have a chance to defend yourself and it's man I made that and this and that and this and that and uh, someone come back and tell you like I know they didn't tell that kind of lie so I mean you don't want to take anyone else's glory and you definitely don't want to take God's glory and in the 14th verse it says and Jesus said if you ask anything in my name I will do it if you love me, keep my commandments. Oftentimes we say we love the Lord. I love the Lord with all of my heart. I love everything about God. Well, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he's not speaking about the Ten Commandments. He's speaking about what he has told you to do and what he's even telling you to do now. Because I said all of the commandments are wrapped up in those two scriptures. If you love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and with all your strength and love your neighbors, yourself, all of the commandments are wrapped up in that. So when you're doing that, you're operating in the fullness of all the commandments. But also you're doing the other different things that the Lord has specifically told you to do, instructed you to do, as it relates to others, uh, as it relates to the ministry. 
He says, so if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he said, I will pray the Father. I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. When you become born again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is with you forever. While you in this body, he is with you. Now, Jesus calls him a helper. This is one of the jobs that the Spirit of the Lord does with us on a daily basis. He helps us in our weaknesses. He helps us in our infirmities. He helps us when we're going through crises. Uh, sometimes we may need to be calmed down. Holy Spirit, he helps us. He'll speak to you. He'll instruct you. If you listen. Now, if you're the type of person that doesn't listen to anyone when you get angry, you're a very dangerous person. I have seen people that when they have gotten in, uh, into anger dispute and they're mad, no one can tell them anything. No one can touch them. That's a very dangerous person. That is a person that will commit murder and not blink their eye and be sorry when it's all over because a spirit of anger has come upon them. But if they allow the spirit of God, if they have the spirit of God in them, the helper, he will help them deal with those battles. They are very personal battles that all of us face in the course of our walk with the Lord. The helper will help you when you need to be helped. And I know that the Bible says when we are married, we have a helpmate. That is what our spouse is called. That's what the woman is called. Lord, The Lord created a helpmate for Adam. But I'm not talking about her. She helps. But I'm speaking about the helper, the Holy Spirit, even when she's not around. A helper can help you. Doesn't matter what you're dealing with. You can have a test that you're about to take for an exam and you forgot the answers. You've studied so much and your mind is just kind of discombobulated with so many thoughts and you may be confused if you just allow the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, help me with this. Help me pass this test. Help me remember the answer. He will help you. What if you are uh, in a very dangerous neighborhood a very precarious situation and uh, it looks like you're about to be attacked or something is about to go down that is very dangerous if you ask the helper help me get out of here <laughs> he will help you anything that you can think about where you may need help in or what you may need help in if you ask the helper, the Holy Spirit that resides in you, he's with you. He will help you. A lot of times you are not helped and we are not helped is because we're asking the wrong person for help. Help me pay this bill. Help me meet this need. Help me live right. Help me to forgive. Help me to love. Help me to worship. Help me to get out of the flesh. Help me to walk in the spirit. Help me to understand this word 
that you have inspired men to write that's foreign to me. I don't understand the Bible. Help me to understand it. And he will help you. Whatever the area in your life that you need help, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, he said another helper, helper, so he's equating himself as a helper too to the disciples. He helped them. He was their master. He was their teacher. He was the one that was instructing him of them in the things of the Lord. But he said, I'm getting ready to leave, but I'll send you someone else that will help you. And that's why I was saying in the book of Genesis, when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. All of these three, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. As I said before, when they made man, all of them were going to have a part in the development of man to be able to walk with God. So you see Christ, you see the Father sending Christ. Now you see Christ about to send the Holy Spirit. The 17 verses says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you, or will be in you. Now, first he said the helper. That's one of the titles of the Holy Spirit. And then he calls him the Spirit of truth. See, all of these are different titles and different aspects of the precious Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. He's always leading you to what he considers as truth, 100% truth. He leads you, if, if you get into a, a false teaching and your mind is kind of being swayed in that direction, the Spirit of truth will lead you from that into truth. He'll let you know that something is not right about this teaching because you will feel an uneasiness in your spirit when you study it or when you listen to it. It has so much strayed away from the foundational truths of the word of the Lord. Now someone is bringing you something totally different. I was... Uh, a Facebook friend of um, this prophet that was in Orlando, Florida, that murdered his wife uh, a couple of weeks. Well, actually, I guess it was about a month or so ago, a couple of weeks, a month ago. Um, they had a big fight in their home. Um, this girl's brother came in and basically beat him up because he was mistreating his uh, his uh, sister. And uh, before he left, he said, the last thing I do, I'm going to kill you. And, and that's what he said. And when he walked out the door, he said, the last thing I do, I'm, I'm going to kill you. Speaking about the girl. And uh, I think it was the next day or sometime, he ended up killing her. Shot her several times in the head on her way to work. And um, I stopped following him and it was a good while before this happened because he had gotten off into some teaching that was strange and that was weird and that was unscriptural and he didn't have foundational uh, uh, a foundation from the word of the Lord as to what he was saying. 
And a lot of his parishioners, they were questioning him about the direction that the ministry was going and the direction of um, what he was teaching. He was with another guy and he was just teaching all of this strange stuff. Uh, I mean, it was it was really strange. And I unfriended him and uh, I cut that loose because I didn't want to be connected with it. And I said all of that to say that it was a spirit of the Lord, the spirit of truth that said what he is teaching. It is not truth. It's not what I have inspired for others to receive. This is opposed to the holiness of my word. And there's sometimes people can't be able to decipher and understand what is true and what is not. But if you ask the spirit of truth, he will tell you according to his word, or he will lead you to another teacher that will oppose that. Because what he was talking about, it was nowhere near the truth. And I felt that in my spirit and I felt an uneasiness and I, I unfriended him. And a lot of his members had left and he had gotten into some witchcraft and uh, saying his wife was a witch and all of this and he murdered her. And I think it was tied up with some of the things that he and this other guy, they have been talking about, they had been teaching. And uh, so you have to know truth in this hour because there are many spirits that have gone out into the world and they will lead you astray. These are lying spirits. They will lead you astray. And if you don't know the word, and that's why it's important, saints, to know the word of the Lord. Because if you don't know the word, People can trick you with the word anytime. They can trick you with what thus says the Lord. But if you know the word, if you've spent time with God, even if you don't know it enough to teach it, you will know the basics of it. And the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, he will give you something, an uneasiness in your spirit that that ain't right. Something about what that person is saying is not right. It's something about how they're putting it. It sounds good, but there's something a little twisted in there. You can take uh, uh, some of these other ministries. You could take the Jehovah Witness and you listen to them. If you're not careful, they'll trick you. Because they've taken the words of the Bible and they've twisted them. I think it was one time I read uh, in the Gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. They have changed that the word was God. And I think they put in it the word was a God. <laughs> That's a difference. That's a difference. One little letter being changed one little word being changed i should say can mess up the whole meaning of the whole test it, it, the holy spirit in the beginning was the word the word um was god and the word was with god and when you said the word was a god no no the word is god and the word was christ in john the first chapter the 14th verse you see the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory speaking about christ so all it takes is one word being changed and it can change the whole context of the scripture and if you're not wise and aware of that they could lead you astray but that's why you need 
the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you the truth. Amen. Hey, man, I tell you what, the time is up. And I, I thank the Lord for you listeners that are listening. And I hope you're paying attention to this because it is important in this hour. Speaking about the names of the Holy Spirit, this is Voice Over Nations. I'm Carrie B. on Radio. Coming back real soon. Talk to you. Be blessed. Hey guys, welcome to the Voice of a Nation's broadcast. I'm your host, Kerry B. Thank you for tuning back in as we continue with our lesson study on the names of the Holy Spirit, the names of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe we left off on our last segment. We were coming from the Gospel of St. John, the 14th chapter. And uh, I want you to take a look once again at the 16th and 17th verse. And this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. And he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, Jesus is getting ready shortly hereafter to die and go back to his father. And he's given instruction to the church. He was teaching them how to pray. But he said, I must go away. It's expedient that I go away because if I don't go away, that I cannot send the comforter. Um, I cannot send the helper. I cannot send the spirit of truth. So when he's speaking about helper, he's speaking about another name and function of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities. He helps us when we're weak. He helps us when we don't know how to do certain things. I think one of the greatest things you can do when you need help, just ask the helper. And he's a very present help in the time of your trouble. If you have that test that you don't remember the answers to, ask the Holy Spirit to help you remember that which you have studied. If you have lost your keys, if you're trying to find something and you're having a hard time, you've torn up the house to try. I cannot tell you how many times I have lost my keys or something important. And I had to tear the house up to try to find it. And I asked the Holy Spirit, would you help me find it? And shortly thereafter, he always helps me find it. And um, that's just a blessing. Whatever you need help in, if you need help finding a ministry to be a part of if you need help finding a mate a person that you want to spend the rest of your life with ask the holy spirit who is the right person for you and he will show you that person but also he will show you their heart because when we're joined together with one we need to know the heart of that person to make sure that they're right for us so there are many different areas that you may need help in the helper Holy Spirit of God. He will help you in your time of need. But Jesus also calls him the spirit of truth. And he says the world cannot receive him and the world cannot see him because the world does not know him. The spirit of truth, when he comes, he brings 
nothing but the truth. He never sugarcoats the word. Now, what is truth? The embodiment of truth is the absent absence of all lies. Within truth, there is no lie. There is no biases. And every person can have their form of what the truth is. But it's only God who knows what the fullness of the truth is according to any situation. Because I can say this is true and you can say that's true, but it's the Holy Spirit that judges exactly what is true. So when we are, we are looking at the Holy Spirit, we're following behind the Holy Spirit. It is imperative that we uh, understand that truth comes from God. And that's what we need. And I just praise God for the truth. You know, because a lot of times when, and I think you should always have someone around you that will tell you the truth. Not just someone that can just agree with you, whatever you say. Most heads of states, presidents, prime ministers, and so forth, they have a cabinet and they have people that are skilled in different levels of government but they also have them to tell them what needs to be done, give them direction, give them truth, give them counsel. You'll always need someone around you that's going to instruct you in truth. When they ask you a question, you give them the truth. Should I date this guy? Should I date this girl? And you know by discernment, you can tell if the person is not right. Don't sugarcoat it. Just tell them no. I don't think that you should be dating that person. I don't think you should be seeing that person and tell them the reason why. If they ask you opinion, how does this look on me? Does it look too big? Does it look, tell them the truth because we are people that speak the truth. And so I just wanted to go back over that and, um, and just speak about that because I think it's important um, that we are living the truth in this hour. And so we're speaking about the names of the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit is mentioned by many different names in the Bible. And every name is usually referenced to a particular role or function that he operates in. So I'm going to list some uh, different names of the Holy Spirit and we're going to go over them for a few moments. Uh, one of the names is the Spirit of Glory. This is found in 1 Peter 4 and 14. It says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. When you are insulted, uh, when you're criticized, um, when you're laughed at and mocked and scorned for the name of the Lord, the Bible says the spirit of glory is, is on your life. And the spirit of the Lord also rests on you. Now that's an honor to be uh, reproached in the name of the Lord. That's an honor that when you insult it because you follow behind Christ and the world can't see him and the world doesn't receive him, but you receive him and you glorify him and you magnify him. In times when it doesn't seem like people want to hear it, you're still calling on the name of the Lord and teaching and telling the people what is right. And that's an honor. And because of that, the spirit of glory is on your life. Now, what is the spirit of glory? Glory speaks about 
the kabod of God. It is it's a fullness of his inheritance, a fullness of his wealth, his prosperity, his healing. It's a fullness of who he is. When glory comes into a meeting, when glory comes into your home, I'm telling you, the whole atmosphere is set up for the next move of God. The whole atmosphere is set up for blessing. That's what we need in our meetings. We need the spirit of glory to come in the place, but also we need the spirit of glory to rest on our lives. Because when we have the spirit of glory on our lives, no matter where we go, we are carriers of the glory of the Lord. Several years ago when I was pastoring, um, we had a ministry. It was in a, a shopping plaza and they had a big light on the outside in the parking lot, flood light. And I would go there several times uh, during the week and I would pray at night at least five or six times a week. I would go at a certain time at night and I would pray. And on this particular night when I went to the church and I took the key and I opened up the door, when I opened the door, smoke started to billow from out of the ministry. And it was a full moon that night and I'll never forget and I thought that the church was on fire because I had never seen that before. I had never experienced it before because this smoke was unusual. This, this smoke had a feeling to it. It was dense. It was had a certain power behind it. When I walked in, I immediately started to walk to the back because like I said, I thought the place was about to burn up. And normally I could see from the inside, even when the lights were off, I could kind of see the uh, parking lot light outside uh, through the curtains. And I always have prayed in the dark. I mean, that's that's what I do. I pray in the dark. And um, so I was walking through there and I let, went to the back and went to the my office and I didn't see anything left on. I went to the bathroom, didn't see anything left on. And then I realized that this was the glory of God that had come into the ministry. And the glory was so thick that I could barely see. It was like a fog. It was like an acronym, the FOG, the favor of God had come into the house. And I'm telling you, it was so thick and it was so, had a power to it. It uh, had pressure on my head. It was almost as if I had gone up 30-something thousand feet in an airplane, and you know how it is, the pressure at certain altitudes, how it affects your head. That's how it felt. And um, I almost couldn't stay in there for, for a long period of time, and I prayed and, and prayed a little while, and I actually had to go back outside for a minute, and I came back in, and then it started to dissipate. But that was the first time I ever experienced the glory of God as a fog coming into any place. And um, I was I was just so in awe of God because when God's glory comes, um, I'm telling you what I mean. He can supernaturally cancel your bills. Bills, uh, bodies are healed in the glory of God. That's when the uh, uh, the gold and the uh, platinum dust starts to fall. That's when angel feathers are left behind. I'm speaking about the glory of God. When the glory of God comes, um, there's something powerful that God wants to do in your life or in your ministry. Well, that was back in 
maybe 2011, 2012, somewhere up in there. Well, about a couple of months ago, the same thing happened while I was here at home and I was praying. Um, actually, when I came into my prayer room, the glory was already here. I stood at the altar and I'm telling you, it was just as thick as it was in the church. And it had that same dense feeling. It had that same power. And I felt my head started to hurt because of the pressure, the pressure that was coming from the glory of the Lord. And it stayed in here. And I, I sucked it up in my lungs as best I could. I tried to inhale all of that glory in me because I knew that at that time, it doesn't come like that always. And so I was so appreciative and I prayed and um, just worship the Lord. And I was thankful. So when you're talking about the spirit of glory, you're talking about a powerful move uh, of the presence of the Lord. And that's why, you know, the word of the Lord said, if you're sought because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory is resting over you. There's a, a majesty. There's a type of glory. Um, there's a type of blessing and, and authority that's on your life. Um, there's a type of attitude where I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to worship God. It gives you boldness. It uh, gives you a great passion for the things of the Lord. When that glory came into our ministry, and when that glory came into our home, it was as if God was walking through the place. And it was uh, uh, a certain type of honor and a certain type of regality that was, was in the place. And... Um, it felt like the king had walked in. But that glory of God, I can see why when they were dedicating the temple, how the glory of God drove them from out of the temple because it was so powerful. The glory of God will make you fall down to the ground. And so the spirit of glory, and that's one of the names of the Holy Spirit. One of the names of the Holy Spirit. and um, But also, he's called the spirit of of the Lord. And I want us to turn to the book of Acts, the fifth chapter. And I want us to look at this couple that got themselves in trouble because they lied to the Spirit of the Lord. In the first verse of Acts, the fifth chapter, it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now this was at a time when the church was growing and the church was expanding with people coming into uh, the body of Christ and people were selling their land and their possessions to uh, give to the ministry so that it could spread. And you had this couple named Ananias and Sapphira, his husband and wife that sold a certain plot of land. Instead of making a decision and sticking with it that they were going to donate this amount to the ministry, they lied to the apostle and they lied in the presence of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know how much they sold the land for. Just say they sold it for $50,000. Uh, 
Well, it was their land to do what they wanted to do. But what they did and the error that they committed, they lied and said that it was sold for such and such a price. And um, instead of giving all of the proceeds, if that's what they desired to do, they lied and said that they had given all, but actually they kept some back. And that was a lie. Third verse, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. It's a terrible thing to lie to God. It's a terrible thing to lie to God. Peter begins to rebuke Ananias in front of them all. And he said, Satan has filled your heart. It was your own property. You could have given us whatever you wanted. If you sold it for $50,000, you could have given us 10. We would have been fine. But you concocted this lie. And you said, basically, we have given it all to the church, trying to make themselves look good. He said, while it was in your possession, you could have done what you wanted to do. You have not lied to, to men, but to God. And then Ananias, hearing these words, now listen, this is a warning, because there's a lot of people lying to God now. Ananias, hearing these words, fell down dead and breathed his last breath. So great fear came upon all of those who heard these things. When the spirit of the Lord was mentioned by Peter, and he said that you have lied to God, this man was struck down dead right then. I don't know if he had a massive heart attack or what happened, but the Bible said he fell dead and he breathed his last breath. The breath left from out of his body. And great fear came upon all of those who heard these things. See, because God could not tolerate this type of um, lies and deception when the church was being formed, was coming forth. Uh, he wasn't playing with that. And he died. And in the sixth verse, it says, And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him just like that. He died right on the spot. They took his body. They wrapped his body up and took him outside and they buried him. They didn't wait to have a wake. They didn't wait six days, five days. They buried him right then. And Peter answered her. Um, seven verse, I'm sorry. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. See, he and his wife had agreed that they were going to tell Peter and the other apostles this and that. Well, she didn't know he died. She thought the lie went through. She came about three hours later, not knowing what had happened. She didn't know her husband had died and was buried within those three hours. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Tell me if you sold the land for $10,000. Tell me if you sold the land for $50,000. And because her and her husband had agreed to the lie, she said, yes, that's exactly how much we sold it for. Then Peter said to her in the night verse, how is it 
that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell dead at his feet and breathed her last breath. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. This is a sad thing to happen. They standing up in the midst of those that had an anointing, a calling, a gift on their life to plant churches and do the work of the Lord. The church was growing. Um, God didn't need any confusion and deception coming in. So she walks in. Peter asks her the question. Did you agree to the same price as your husband? She said, yes. And Peter said, how have both of you guys agreed to test or to lie to the spirit of the Lord? Why would you do this? Why would you stand up here in the midst of ministry and lie in the presence of the Lord? And he said, look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they're coming to bury you too. And immediately when she saw these men, she fell down dead and she breathed her last breath and they found her dead and they picked her up and they carried her out and buried her by her husband. Both of them died because they lied to God. And in 11 verses, so it says, so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. I guarantee you they didn't do that again. You cannot play with the Lord. They lied to God and they died. So the Spirit of the Lord is another name for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord. Whew! My, what a powerful, powerful revelation from the Word of the Lord. This is Voice Over Nations broadcast, Carrie B. Vaughn Radio. Many blessings to you. We're coming back real soon. Take care.